Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of All Things Iceland. It's Jules. And I have another fantastic interview to share with you this month. This time around, it's with Harotur Thorleifsson, or Halle, as he likes to be called. Halle was born and raised in Iceland and has achieved some incredible things, such as building a successful design company and selling it to Twitter. In 2022, he was named Person of the Year in Iceland, and he has lived in many cool places around the world. You can, of course, learn more about him and his accolades on his personal website that I'll have linked in the show notes of this episode. And while I find all of those things to be very interesting, what intrigued me the most is the work that Halle is doing to provide ramp access across Iceland for those who are in wheelchairs or who maybe have a stroller or just find that a ramp is easier for them to walk up than stairs. This project is called Ramp Up Iceland or Rumpum Up Island. I will have a link to it in the show notes if you want to read more about that. And all of the show notes will be at allthingsiceland.com forward slash Halle, which is spelled H-A-L-L-I. And during this interview, Halle and I talk about, of course, him being first of the year, ramp up Iceland, and many different topics, along with the fact that he has muscular dystrophy. So the CDC, so for those who aren't familiar with it, CDC describes muscular dystrophy as a group of muscle diseases caused by mutations in a person's genes. Over time, muscle weakness decreases mobility, making everyday tasks difficult. And Halle's journey thus far is something that he talks about, so you can just get more insight there. Please note that this interview was conducted in his apartment in February of this year, so 2023, and the sound quality will be different than what you're hearing right now. Also, for anyone who is very active on Twitter or happened to catch the news about this, this interview was recorded before Halle and Elon Musk, yes, that Elon Musk, had a huge argument on Twitter. During the back and forth, Elon embarrassed himself and eventually had to apologize to Halle. So if you use Twitter or are interested in using Twitter, I highly recommend following Halle there. He is super active on that channel and shares quite a bit about a multitude of things going on, including the music that he's been making, which is super cool. I just listened to it actually before recording this. So check it out. I hope you enjoy this interview just as much as I enjoyed conducting it. And here's Halle. Thank you so much, Halle, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And... You are in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and one of the main reasons why I reached out was because you have this project, like I mentioned, Ramp Up Iceland, which is funding the putting up of ramps in different parts of the country. Right. And Reykjavik is one of them that yes. you've been doing the most work recently, but there is an initiative, I think it's 1,500 ramps in the next four years. 1,500, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And there are a lot of people, or a decent amount of people, who reached out to me about accessibility here in Iceland. So that was one of the things I was really like happy to highlight. But before we jump into that, I kind of mm-hmm. want to talk about like you growing up here and your, you know, progression into your muscle muscle dystrophy. Yes, is what you have. So if you don't mind, just kind of talking a little bit about that to help people understand, you know, why you're in a wheelchair today and how it's like for you traveling around in Iceland. Yeah. Uh, so I so where we are right now, we're in downtown Reykjavik, and I grew up. Um, and was born one street over 
In one street over. One street oh, over. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and I actually read somewhere that a lot of people, they will return and often very close to home. Um, so, yeah, one street over. Um, and it, it is, um, it's kind of a, a little village there. It's, it's a hidden street mm-hmm. where I grew up. And um, a lot of the, the parents were of the same age. Okay. Similar age. There were a lot of hippies. Hippies. <laughs> I said hippies. A lot of hippie parents. <laughs> okay. And so, and that had kids of a similar age as well. So okay. it was a pretty amazing place to grow up. Nice. Um, and, you know, nobody locked the doors. You know, you could go wander between uh, the houses and the, the apartments and meet your friends, which was pretty nice. But then outside of that... Um, <clears throat> So I'm 45 now, um, and when I was growing up in Iceland, there was a lot of what we called key babies, uh, yeah. which is uh, kids that just had, they would wander around the city with the keys to their apartments around their uh, their necks, mm-hmm. and I was one of those people, although we didn't have a key because there was, there was never locked. <laughs> but, um, so I just remember a lot of freedom mm. growing up. And being around here, we're close to the harbor. So, you know, things that I would probably not let my kids do today. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, we have a five and a ten-year-old. Um, I would do on the, pretty regularly with my kids, with my friends. Yeah. Uh, we would play in abandoned um, houses. God. We would, you know, in, in construction sites. And, yeah. Uh, and, and the, yeah, on the shore, it was, yeah, it was pretty magical and fascinating looking back on it it was um a very innocent time yeah glad no one got terribly hurt <laughs> uh nobody remember yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know there there are stories i mean there are stories of i mean we, we got up to some things i wasn't involved in this but you know some friends of mine burned down a warehouse oh wow and they were like five yeah five years old <laughs> yes. what i mean of course kids who are five with matches or yes. something yeah it's dangerous yeah and, and just you know all these things that again it just it's it's pretty wild looking back on it, and because yeah. I, I have these kids now, and I see how, you know, how immature they are, obviously mm. as kids, and I wouldn't necessarily put them in those positions. Yeah, it is interesting. There are people who are probably listening that are older than you who mm-hmm. were also um, key babies. Yes, because in the U.S. there were kids who were like, but it wasn't the same. Maybe they weren't wandering around, but they did like go to school on their own in the bus and come back yes. and have the key. So it's kind of funny that this, you know translated in Iceland society, Iceland society at the time, was more about, like, total freedom. Absolute freedom, yes. <laughs> and, and, yeah, sometimes we didn't come home until just bedtime. Like, leave it in the morning. And, wow. And obviously no cell phones, so yeah. nobody could reach you. Nobody knew where you were. But they just assumed you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get word that some kid was hurt somewhere. No, I don't remember. No. Yeah. I don't okay. think my parents got very worried. Yeah. And then going through, like... Teenage age and everything. When was it that you started to feel or notice that there was something happening to your body? So I was diagnosed uh, when I was two. And, when you were two. Right. So I, I don't remember that. My kids, my, my parents noticed that I had a, a different walk mm-hmm. um, and, and slow to walk. And then, so I was informed at a very early age that something was wrong, but I didn't really understand it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't also 
fully diagnosed, so I didn't okay. really know how it would progress. So I knew from a very early age, but it wasn't very clear what it meant mm-hmm. to me as a child. Mm-hmm. Didn't really understand it, but also because the diagnosis di- diagnosis diagnosis yeah. wasn't uh, wasn't great. It was just like general. It was very yeah, like okay. it was something like I had muscular dystrophy, but it wasn't clear which type because there's a lot of them, and and so at a very sort of normal childhood, didn't really think about it. The only thing that I noticed was that I had a, a, a different kind of walk okay. to, to other kids. But then along the years, as, as, as the years sort of went on, I noticed things uh, myself, like I, I, I wouldn't be able to run as fast as the other kids. Mm. And slowly, you know, um, you know, lost some of the power in my legs, couldn't walk up the stairs, couldn't jump as high. And so for until I was about 20, uh, it was sort of mostly okay. And then between 20 and 25, it was fastly deteriorating. So I decided that I had to use a wheelchair. Um, And at that time, it was still not clear if it would have any um, effect on my, the rest of my body, on my arms or, and there was one of the diagnoses I got was that it wouldn't. It wouldn't? It wouldn't. Okay. And then obviously that happened. And so, uh, for the last 25 years, I've been in a wheelchair or used a wheelchair, and I, my my arms have slowly sort of um, given up. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And in Iceland, the perception would be for many people who have never been and who might be in a wheelchair, who have a loved one that's in a wheelchair, that it would be difficult to maybe get around that not as accessible maybe to like restaurants or nature and whatever else. Mm -hmm. So can you provide some insight there in terms of, is that the case? And obviously your ramp up project is there for a reason. So then the inspiration for for Mm -hmm. that. I think, uh, you know, I've I've lived um, in a lot of different countries. So we've, we, my, my wife, we moved to Tokyo when my daughter was, when our daughter was three months old. And we, and we moved to different countries who were in South America and Europe and other places. And so I have a bit of a perspective on this. I think Iceland, in terms of, like, or Reykjavik, like the cities, are probably in the medium to, to worse end okay. of accessibility compared to um, the more, you know, the, maybe the western part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about... New York, for example, um, not very accessible. San Francisco, very accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we have um, the nature here, which is obviously challenging mm-hmm. in terms of accessibility. So a lot of the bigger tourist places have decent, um, like at least wheelchair accessibility. Mm-hmm. But anything where, you know, there's like the black sand beaches and all those things are it's not accessible. Yeah. Um, and so, um, if for anyone coming to Iceland, I would definitely do research on what is accessible. There is an app called mm-hmm. Travelable, um, which is good, where people can sort of get a, a, a good overview of what are the places that are accessible. Okay. Um, uh, there, you know, things like getting around. Uh, it's not. Um, it's not easy necessarily getting uh, a wheelchair or accessible taxi. Um, right. You need to order that those in advance. You can rent cars now, which is pretty new. 
that are wheelchair accessible. Nice. Um, so it's yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, and there are some tour companies also that do. This yeah, there are. Tour, yeah, for there are some of the some of the whale watching ones. You can go go mm-hmm. um, uh, on the boats. There are some of the buses, mm-hmm. like the tour buses, are accessible. The Blue Lagoon. Yeah. You know, the general thing would be be to say, which is applies to most places in the world, is the bigger the location, the more likely it is to be accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And out of curiosity, I would assume that you're moving around to all these different places is for work? It was, no, it was more, you know, we had our uh, our, our young child and, and we just didn't, we thought that this would be a great exi- sort of idea mm. to be able to, because I was, I was a designer, I am mm-hmm. a designer. I was working with companies mostly in the US. Okay. And it was just um, a way to experience different locations while still being able to work. Okay. So we would spend two to three to six months in each location. Nice. So basically, we're just like, we want to explore. Yes. And it's funny that you're doing it with a child, because most people go, before you have a child, <laughs> explore yes, we, and do everything. Yes, we were planning. So uh, before my wife got pregnant, we yeah. were almost, we had planned to move. Oh. And we were on our way. And then we got pregnant, and obviously that put it on hold, but we decided that it was still a good time. Yeah. And it sounds like it worked out. Maybe it was a lot of fun, right? It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, very valuable time. Nice. Awesome. And for your ramp-up project, so mm-hmm. you experiencing being in Reykjavik and around Iceland, of course, I'm um, a part of your, you know, wanting to fund this project. But what was, you know, in terms of bringing it all together, what was the whole idea? And now that you've spawned the project and there are mm-hmm. ramps in the country your goals and everything that we've talked a little bit about. Can you explain like where you came up with the idea of like 1500 in four years and stuff like that? So we, uh, so I moved back here during COVID. Mm-hmm. I was living in San Francisco. It was in lockdown. It was pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, um, you moved here and went turn 16. Mm-hmm. And so you've been here. Um, and that summer of 2020, um, Iceland was in pretty stark contrast with a lot of the rest of the world. It was just open. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, and so we just looked at that, <clears throat> saw all our friends and family just you know having fun, and we were just locked up in our apartment. So we moved home, and we were never intending to stay. We were just going to be here for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, nobody knew what would happen with COVID at that time. Mm-hmm. But then... Um, yeah, I was in downtown Reykjavik, where I've spent a lot of time. I was um, took a walk with my family, and it was just a beautiful night. And um, our son, who was I think three at that time, three mm-hmm. or four, he um, wanted to stop uh, and get a drink, so we went to a corner shop. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, obviously, that there was a, there were two steps going into the store, yeah. and you know that's. Not the first, that's, you know, one in a thousand times that that's happened, where I've um, not been able to participate. In this case, it was relatively simple. They went in, I waited outside. Uh, but it's in the past been, you know, not being able to go to a restaurant with my friends or a cafe or a bar or, mm-hmm. you know, even to certain, you know, uh, hairdressers or whatever it is, like all over the place. And so I thought, this is a relatively simple problem. These are basically two steps. Um, 
there must be a way to fix this. So I talked to a couple of people and realized that it wasn't that complicated. And so we set up the first initiative, which mm-hmm. was to build 100 ramps in Iceland in one year. Mm-hmm. And that was just time in the dark. Like I had no idea whether we would be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the help of a lot of great people, the city, good sponsors, we were able to build those um, 100 ramps and, and in a much shorter amount of time than we anticipated. And so the next one was we decided to build 1,000 all across mm-hmm. Iceland. Um, and that first year was in 2022, okay. so last year, um, and that went so well that by the end of that year we decided to raise it to 1500. Mm. Um, so seeing how it was progressing. Yes, yeah. and so we realized we can actually do more. Nice. And this would include, I'm assuming, tourist attractions as well? There's tourist attractions. It's pretty much every place where a person goes to socialize yeah. is where okay. we try or or goes to do something that they need to do. So we've we've ramped up a gas station, mm-hmm. um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of bars, nice. a lot of a lot of cafes, um, ice cream shops, yeah, tourist attractions, pretty much anything you can think okay. of. And is this like the establishment takes part in this as well, right? In terms of yeah. So we've got um, we've got funding from uh, both the city, from the state from local municipalities, um, from, from corporations, companies, individuals. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of people helping out. Nice. That's awesome. It's exciting, too, because I feel like I remember going to Dinyandi mm-hmm. in the West Fjords and mm-hmm. noticing that there was actually a ramp there right. and very surprised, mainly because right. it's out in the middle of nowhere. Right? It was more accessible than some other places that I've yes. been to. And I was like, okay, at least this is... And this is before I knew about what you were mm-hmm. doing. So it's like at least that it's top of mind so, to somebody, right, yeah. at this location. So it's nice that it's happening on a much larger scale because everybody deserves to see the gorgeous nature here. And, of course, like you're saying, enjoy the time with their family or friends yes. or just going to the store to get some chips. Like yes. it's just – it seems regular until you're not able to or allowed in essence. I think so, yeah. I think um, once you realize uh, that, you know, there are thousands of people that are – both – locals and tourists that are just not not able to participate mm-hmm. it's a pretty obvious thing that we should fix that and it's not that complicated yeah which is great to hear yeah in terms of so you're a company that you that was absorbed by twitter mm-hmm. ueno yes. i think it's called you also have a philanthropist part to it called bueno mm-hmm. <laughs> which is b yes added on to bueno yes um is ramp up a part of that as well, or is no, it so, separate? Yeah, no. So we um, so Bueno was a so I started uh, Bueno um, in twenty thirteen and 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 ran it twenty fourteen. Sorry, ran it for seven years and sold it to uh, Twitter uh, in twenty twenty one. And as a sort of um, a side entity to that, we had Bueno, which. Mm-hmm. Um, donated to a lot of different causes and, and, and built a lot of different things. But once we sold the Ueno, we, the Ueno was sort of part of that and shut down uh, formally as an entity. So the mm-hmm. wrap-up is a different thing. Okay. And with Bueno, do you, you're saying you're funding different projects. So is it just like people have ideas and you're like, I love that, let's... It was a lot of different things. We yeah. funded, um, you know, uh, we helped places like La Cochina, which was... Uh, um, a uh, 
kitchen or something. Kitchen yeah. in, in San Francisco where mm-hmm. uh, a lot of immigrants, uh, mostly women, um, would go and, and sort of learn how to run a business, uh, create mm-hmm. a business nice. out of all of their cooking. Yeah. Um, but we also just funded like um, people uh, to go to a design conference or, you know, it was a pretty wide range of things. It was mostly just things we thought would be, would be good. Yeah, nice. And it sounds like you have, from what I read, this goal of a million dollars over the next 10 years funding yeah, that, yeah. So projects we, like this. Yes, so we did that. Yeah. Um, we did, yes, we, we wrapped that up. Okay, nice. Because it's really cool that you've built in giving back as part of your, you know, I guess, values in your company. Right. And one of the things that came up when I was reading some of the articles about you and I'm sure part of why you were person of the year, because it sets a great example, is that when you sold your company to Twitter, mm-hmm. that you took it as salary and instead of as, I think, capital gains or something like that, which means, well, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you explain it a little bit. <laughs> well, well, what we did, well, most, uh, the, the main thing we did was we decided, um, you know, there, there were ways that we could have, and it's very simple if you have money, mm-hmm. to... to funnel it through certain things mm-hmm. so you don't have to pay taxes. Right. Um, loopholes. Yes, there's a lot of loopholes. And so, you know, we, we we got advice that we should move, you know, temporarily to you know, Dubai or Portugal or, you know, there are all these different places. So mm-hmm. we decided very quickly we didn't want to do that. So we yeah. moved back here to Iceland, and yes, and all the, uh, the gains were paid out as, as, as salary. Mm-hmm. Which then, that goes to the state in helping with... Right. Social programs, basically. Yes. And it was said, at least in an article about you, that um, the social programs here in Iceland helped you. And that was yes, a I, way of giving back. Yeah, yeah. my parents were you know, just working class, uh, relatively poor uh, people. So I have this disease um, and you know, I got access to free health care, um, got access to... Um, when I grew up, I needed uh, what's called Örökobætur, which is sort of just if you're a um, if you're a person in, that needs help, the state will pay mm-hmm. pay out mm-hmm. uh, a certain salary, basically. Um, I got uh, a free car. You know, there was a bunch of things yeah. that I got, um, and then I was able to go to university, um, where I spent a lot of time, and you know, all of those things would not have been possible without pretty well-funded mm-hmm. uh, welfare state. Yeah. And choosing that over... I mean, not to say that it's, you know, other people shouldn't do do what they want with their money, mm-hmm. but, you know, the fact that for you this was something that was really beneficial and you wanted to, uh, like, do what you can to give back in another way as well, right. I think is really nice because it also showcases that the way that setting up social programs in, com- in countries... It's not just about, oh my gosh, you know, how can we get away with things, but how can we actually keep it going so mm-hmm. that it ends up being that future generations of right. whoever need help can get that assistance without having to feel like they're a burden on the system or yeah. something, or that they have no option at all. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the U.S., sometimes when we hear about socialism, there is like, it's, a, it's for whatever reason, automatically assumed with communism, communism. Right. Another story. But also just considered a negative thing. Yes. And the positive aspects of it, at least in Nordic countries, has been being able to provide for people. And yeah, and have yeah. a social safety net. And I think that's, you know, at certain times, 
in your life you might need something and at certain times in your life you can give something back so right. I think it's it's a pretty good way to have a functioning society where yeah. we take care of each other exactly community and yes. it's, almost, it's like anonymous community too because right. it's, you don't have to know who you're helping but you know it is helping right yeah definitely Okay, and true to form, uh, being an Icelander, you have many different things going on, including mm-hmm. making music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, because I feel like whenever I interview someone, they're like, yeah, and I'm a chef and a musician and this and whatever. Yes. So, your music. Yes. When, when did you start performing um, or playing music? So I, I, I grew up not liking music, which is a very what? rare, I think it's a very rare thing. Yeah, um, I've only ever heard that. I, I just didn't understand why people would spend their time listening to it it just didn't make any sense like nothing at all no wow um and my dad used to play um guitar at home and I really hated it uh it was just (laughs) I really thought it was a a obnoxious thing to do (laughs) um but then when I was you know around 17 I started playing the guitar um and I, at, at that point, I had started listening to music. Mm-hmm. Although it was always, you know, it wasn't instinctual. I had to learn how to do it. Um, and and then, uh, you know, after I started, uh, after I learned how to play the guitar, I started playing the piano and a few things. And I nice. started playing uh, these instruments. And obviously then after that, you start to think, well, maybe I can write a song. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a lot of songs in a you know, few-year few time period. Um, and played around town here in Iceland, uh, mostly uh, just acoustic music. But I was also in a, a punk band. Nice, um, called Tony Blair. A Bear. pop band. Punk. 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 Okay, that yes. was like interesting. You, yes. Not that you couldn't be in a punk <clears throat> band. That's not how I saw it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I played bass in a punk band. Okay. Um, and uh, so that was a fun few years, and yeah. that was, it was um, coincided with a lot of drinking, um, and then. I kind of stopped both performing and writing um, for, for a fair amount of time, for 20 years almost. Oh, wow, okay. And then when I moved back here, um, I had always, you know, I had a bunch of these songs and I always thought it would be nice to record them. Mm-hmm. So I only remembered about six of them. Um, so about a hundred of them that I probably lost mm-hmm. forever. And, and so <clears throat> talked to some friends here in Iceland that are musicians and <clears throat> they could help me. <clears throat> Sorry, um, I wrote uh, five more songs and then we recorded an album and nice. um, it's ready. It's going to be released this year. Okay, cool. So if people want to check that out, yeah. <laughs> on your page about yourself, mm-hmm. I'll link to that so yeah. people can check it out there. Because yeah, it's, it's really interesting because there are a lot of musicians and a lot of artists in Iceland, and you come from a creative background in terms of your work. Right. So it kind of fits, you know, my opinion, um, hand in hand with like this creativity and the different kind of octopuses that uh, yeah, creative Iceland, beings can be. Icelandic people are, uh, like you mentioned before, they they seem to have you know four jobs or, mm-hmm. or four things that they do. Yeah. Um, which means that most people are not great <laughs> at anything. We're pretty good at a lot of things. Yeah, and having fun. Yes. And that's, I think, more than anything important. Yeah. But then, of course, you didn't have some people who are amazing musicians. Yes, yes. And still probably do a lot of other things, too, which yeah, is like, how the, is that possible? Great musicians <laughs> here are do something else because yeah. it's hard to maintain yourself. Yeah. It's like, it's also, for me, I think about, like, the dark nights. It helps you to take your mind off of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yes. like having all these different types of projects. And I read about your wife and you opening up a... Artist resident residency or something like this. Yeah, so yeah. we um, <clears throat> similar thing. We moved back here 
weren't planning on it, but we decided once we moved back that we wanted, um, we live in downtown Reykjavik, which is fantastic, but we wanted a place in the, in the, in the slightly outside of the city, mm-hmm. but we've, but we've been able to find something that's still within the city, but is almost like the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in Kalanes, I don't know if you know that Yeah, area. I used to live in Mosul. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so right there on, on the peninsula, it's a, just a, a beautiful piece of land, and so the idea is um, that we will build a artist residency there, as well as a, a small home for ourselves and and, nice. and a well, it's actually not small anymore. <laughs> um, it's grown. It's always growing. It grows yes. when you're like working on a product. Um, and a, a little studio uh, as okay. well. Nice. It's a very windy part of the country. It's surprisingly <laughs> not windy on the peninsula. Ah, so okay. You, the, most of the wind uh, is because of the mountain. Okay. So if you go further away from it, it's not still windy. It's yeah. Iceland, but it's not <laughs> as windy as, as windy. it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I had one thing I was wondering about regarding, like, in a wheelchair and the ice here. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do with that? Like, it's... I don't. Okay. Yeah. You're just like, screw it, I'm not going <laughs> to deal with this. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, when it's... I mean, that's another thing maybe I didn't mention before. But, you know, if you're um, if you're coming here in the winter, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just would not recommend that if you have a disability. Yeah. Uh, both for sight and, uh, you know, if you need a wheelchair or any kind of assistance. Because yeah. it's just, it's it's very hard for, for people with full capabilities yeah. to get around. And people often get injured. Yes. And that has been a big concern whenever I'm talking to people on the podcast is bringing micro spikes with them and yes. basically just whatever way you can have traction because mm-hmm. it is scary. There are times I'm walking in the street and I didn't, I, you know, underestimated how much um, ice might be there because it's black ice yeah. and that like almost slip is the mm-hmm. scariest moment because you're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and trying to catch yourself. Yeah. And a lot so, of people yeah. have hurt themselves. Yeah. You know, pretty bad. And, Including and so, people who live here. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I think... We, we, and Iceland probably has the highest mortality rate for tourists uh, <laughs> of any country. It's going to make it as appealing yes. as possible <laughs> to come here. It's just, I always, anytime I talk to a tourist here, just, especially in the winter, it's just yeah. respect the nature. It's, yes. This is not what you're used to. Right. Uh, and be cautious. Absolutely. Because it is, at, at a moment's notice, it will flip. Yeah. That is true. Or right, honestly, mm-hmm. a little bit more positive. <laughs> How did it feel getting the Order of the Falcon? Uh, it was, like when you first was, heard about it, you know? It was very strange. I was in the airport, um, and, and they called me and they told me that, and I was... Um, it's not something I had thought about or anticipated. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, it was very flattering. And then I got COVID pretty much the next day. Oh, no! I couldn't, I couldn't go to the ceremony. Oh, no! Um, but it was... But they invited me later. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was um, the current president is such a nice person. Yeah, he is. Um, and it's just always fun to meet him and his wife. Mm-hmm. And so it was a fun little moment. Yeah, that's awesome. I had the honor of interviewing him mm-hmm. actually at uh, their house. Well, you know, the yeah. president's right. residence. And yeah, he's just a down to earth individual. It's really nice to meet somebody who is in a role like that and right. treats everybody 
like they're just humans, like right. himself, you know? Yeah, he's just an awkward guy. <laughs> yeah, historian. <laughs> yes. He's an academic. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah he's, he's lovely. So it was getting it, you know, and, and him being able to present it was... Yeah. I think there, there, there have been presidents in the past where I wouldn't have been as mm, eager. Interesting, okay. And if we, if we were to put an equivalent on this, it's kind of like the Queen of England like bestowing a knighthood, sort of, it is, in an Icelandic is, way. It, it is know? the Icelandic knighthood. It, yeah. it comes from, from Denmark yeah. originally. It's really cool. Congratulations. Thank you. And in terms of... Um, kind of things you have going on in the future. Any other things I didn't mention that you think people might be interested in knowing or um, following along? Well, we have, I think one of my one of my favorite projects is that we're doing, we, we have a, a space actually just here across the street okay. in Hapnerhuset, okay. which is um, about 3,000 square meters of space where people, artists mostly, mm. collaborate. Okay. Um, so we were able to get that pretty cheap from the city and nice. we were able to rent it out very cheap That's uh, amazing. to the artists, entrepreneurs, musicians. So there's about 150 people there. Great. Um, so okay. that's one of my favorite things. And these are just local people that... It's uh, both. It's um, it's actually a lot of you know people that have moved here okay. that, that do these things. And mm-hmm. I think part of that and a part of the reason I think it's great is that you get access to a community. It's not just about getting an office or mm-hmm. a studio. Mm-hmm. You get to meet other people that are doing things, and you get to build up a bit of a, a network of okay. people that are like-minded and yeah. that might be people you want to collaborate with. It. And if people want to, maybe locals who are listening want to apply for something like this. The, it's it's called Hopman House. Okay. Um, and yeah, we have a website, and I'm sure you'll link to it somewhere. Yeah, I will. I will in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Great. Well. The last question I have for you is the one I ask everybody, and it is about what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase, if you have mm-hmm. one. Um, it's, it's the, so the, the one that I, automatically comes to mind, and I'm sure people have mentioned this before, is um, it's both positive and negative. Okay. It, 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 it is kind of the best and the worst of, of Iceland in, in a nutshell. It's Tataratast. Which is sort of this will this will all turn out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an excuse not to prepare for, <laughs> for anything, uh, but it's also just a nice optimistic way of jumping into things um, that you don't have you have any no idea mm-hmm. uh, how it will be. And so, like I said, it's it's often used as sort of a, a catch-all to get out of any trouble. But I think it's also just this sort of mentality of it's going to work out, it's going to be fine. Yeah, because there's so many variables here as well, yeah. and coming like from your ancestors, the conditions that they had to deal with, it was like yeah. it, it just has to work out, okay, yeah. right? We just yeah. have to believe just, that. Just have to put all our faith in something. Right, exactly. Great. Well, thank you so much yes. for being on the show. Thank and you. like I mentioned, I'll have all the ways that people can communicate with you. You're very active on Twitter. Yes. And so that's the best place to follow you for sure. Yes. And yeah, I appreciate you just sharing your insights and your experience with people and some of the cool projects that you have going on. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.